hello lovers of all things drums. Today's episode is all about my thoughts on modern music and how we need to sort of be aware of what the kids are listening to. I'll talk to you about that a bit more later and I'll also be right now talking about what I've been doing lately to get myself back into that two plus hours a day practice routine because the last five or seven days I've been very focused on learning techniques to help push my teaching business forward and you know you get that pang in your gut and you know you've got to get back to it but you know I want to give you some insight today as to how I usually go about getting myself back into that routine in case there's some things you might have forgotten or you know maybe never tried see if it helps you to be able to get the same result I get. I got back into practice today I've been having focus on other things this last week you know spending a lot of time as I said learning skills to build my teaching business and so drums kind of got put back quite a bit and I not intentionally but you know how you kind of put it on the back of the list and as a result you just don't quite get around to it because you've got other big priorities now one thing I do that really helps me a lot is I have what I call what this thing called the high performance planner right so people use these planners to help them organize their day the one I've got is from Brendan Bouchard you can pick any you like I think that there's a great one called the panda planner if you if you're a fan of pandas maybe that would be your thing but I find the high performance planner to be really effective it helps me to organize my day but even with the best of intent you know I'll put something maybe I'll put my practice in at five and just because of having so much to finish and that being at the center of my focus and my goal setting sometimes you know I go through a little phase where it just kind of gets pushed off and I don't quite get around to it so I'm trying to develop my discipline to a level where that kind of never happens but you know if I schedule it I do it but you know nevertheless um, what I've noticed is that if I want to get myself back into practice I almost have to like rejig my priorities my my priorities a bit and say you know drums is kind of higher on the list of my priorities because when I lay out my priorities I'll like number things so that I know what I have to get to first so if it starts to get a bit out of control I'll then put drums higher on my priorities list and say you know this has got to happen but what I also do and this is um kind of important as well I'll tell you a little story from the past essentially in the past I've gone back to the drums and then sort of doubled down on my practice to get stuff done because of the guilt you know practice guilt that many people deal with so you know I might have uh, taken a couple of weeks off and then I'd go back to the drum set and then I'd like start doing a four-hour practice where I'd slam a bunch of stuff that I really felt was kind of lacking and would push myself to get the best possible result out of my body in the shortest time possible well the problem with that is obviously the next day I wouldn't feel like going back to the kick because I just hadn't done an onslaught and then I'd lose that inertia again. So I don't know if you guys have ever got caught in that cycle, but you know, one thing I've noticed um, with my practice is it's just like a relationship. And I, the first day I go back, I feel like the best thing I can do is hook myself. You know what I mean? It's got to be about that hook. It's about rebuilding that positive feeling in my gut rather than feeling neutral. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this, but even with the, ma- the most amount of passion in the world and love for the instrument, it's so easy to lose inertia um, and lose that positive feeling in your gut that draws you back to the instrument if you've been distracted with other positive tasks or things you need to complete. You know, you can kind of, because drums has been put by the wayside a few times, you start to sort of lose that momentum. And it's not that you don't love drums. It's not that you feel any different deep down about it. It's just that in your nervous system, you haven't got that thing pulling you to it as a source of joy and a, a place to go to, you know, do something that you love to do. 
And as a teacher or as a live performer, it's even easier for that to happen when it starts to feel like work, you know. So when that creeps in and it kind of disturbs the the pull that I have, the natural pull towards the instrument, I find that, you know, this this kind of building a relationship concept is so important. You know, once that feeling of joy has been established and you've really kind of connected to the instrument again and you feel great, then it's time for me to go ahead and start, you know, giving myself massive challenges and pushing it to the limit and doing drills that otherwise I might not have been able to get my head around on day one, you know what I mean? So the result I've noticed is I can get myself back into drums any time and then get back into a routine quickly. It kind of reminds me of my workout systems because I would always kind of like do the same with that. You know, if I wanted to get back into training, I'd always go back in there and try and hit all my old numbers. If I'd taken a little break from training, I'd be like beasting the hell out of myself and trying to get all the old numbers that I was previously getting on my last workout. Well, of course, what that would do in my nervous system is make me feel awful stress my body out, stress my mind out, and I feel exhausted afterwards, and then I just attach pain to the process of working out. So um, one thing I've done with my workouts to get myself back into that routine again is I just, the first workout I do, I try to make sure everything is achievable, and I don't push myself well beyond my limits on the first workout. I try and go to 80% or 90% of my capacity and really kind of feel it out. And what I'll do is I'll even, you know, I go for walks in the morning quite, quite often most days and set myself up for the day mentally. One thing I'll do is I'll visualise myself doing activities that I really want to do that day, but I visualise myself having a great time while I do it and just really feeling good. And that builds a positive relationship in my nervous system, which kind of primes me up for the action too. So that's another thing that I find really effective. So, you know, I apply this to students too. For years, I would make my first lesson all about building a great relationship with my with, with the instrument. You know, I would make the first lesson, try and, I try to make sure it was focused on that, that child or adult getting a great experience in the lesson where they feel like they can really do it, where they just, you know, they go from zero to playing a basic beat that's really doable and then putting that over music they love. And, you know, I've from doing that system, I've never lost a student in the early stages, right? But one time I did it differently. Thankfully, I learned from the experience quickly, but I did it one time differently with a student and I didn't focus on that outcome. I just kind of like you know, had explored the, the conversation with the, with the student. I got them doing some of the basics, you know, stick holding, things that traditionally t- teachers would do in the first lesson. And that student never came back. You know, when I stopped and thought about it, I realised that basically the reason they didn't come back was because I overwhelmed them with kind of like a, a, a sense of boredom in their nervous system and, you know, a sense that, you know, what was coming wasn't worth their time and energy, you know. You can go the other way too. You can like overwhelm someone with too much information in a single lesson. Whatever you do, fundamentally, if it isn't bringing someone towards a positive feeling in their nervous system when they walk out of the room, they're probably not going to want to come back to the lesson. Um, and it's only once you've really established a great relationship between a student and the instrument that you can then start to introduce more challenging scenarios that really push them there, where emotionally they are struggling. But they'll keep coming back because they've been hooked already. They know that the, the instrument gives them so much pleasure and benefit that now they're willing to sacrifice a little bit to get that next level, to get that result that will give them more um, joy and experience of, of a greater level of you know, expression on the instrument or whatever it is they're after. So I think this is crucial, not just as a teacher, but also as a player to understand. You know, Our nervous system often defeats our conscious decisions if we don't set up our nervous system to give us a positive drive towards what we want to do 
our conscious idea, no matter how strong we might compel ourselves mentally to do it, it will just never overcome our nervous system. In the end, it will, will be pulled towards what, what we really feel is going to give us pleasure and away from what we feel is going to give us pain. So, you know, kid, you know, on that subject, looking at modern music, you know, kids today are listening to music that some of us may not always get on with. You know, um, I was just today looking at the top 10 because I was designing some course material for some of the kids that I hope to get back to teaching in sort of October time because the schools aren't really letting peripatetic, you know, outside teachers come in too much. And to kind of build a build some momentum with the kids, I've designed a little system today which I'm going to hand out to them, which kind of gets tiered out in a few levels and gives them uh, some simple beats they can play and slightly more challenging level beats to some songs that are currently popular. I don't know if these kids are all listening to it, but I've picked a song that's number one at the moment, um, which is called uh, Blinding Lights by Weekend, right? And I've also found another song, which is a bit more of a classic for the kids who are a bit more edgy and into the older music, that they can play that song over, that, that beat over too, which the song I've chosen is My Sharona. So they're going to be able to use that same kind of groove, even though it doesn't fit perfectly, it will fit and sound good. So they get an experience of, regardless of what their personal taste is, they're going to be able to use that groove in that environment and the and the fills and practice them along to some music that they're probably going to really enjoy, right? So the the concept there is that I'm trying to make sure that I, what well, I feel I have a duty of care really to to the kids and to anyone I'm teaching to look at what they're being influenced by culturally, to look into the music that they really love a little bit and show an interest really in their favorite music, show an interest in them rather than kind of expect them to mold to my personal position. And if I do this, I notice that by developing, a, you know, showing them the interest in their music and what they're into and actually caring about it and, and not, you know, disrespecting their musical choices or taste, you know, I'm in a position to actually influence some of their musical choices later down the line. In fact, I've noticed that um, I've started to be able to correlate for many of my students who are in, into like modern trap style beats. Like there's a guy in who's number three, I think, in, in the charts right now called St. John. And he's playing, you know, he's doing kind of traps, hip hop, sort of modern traps, hip hop style music, which for some people is a little, you know, uh, some people is that they're not into it. You know, they don't, they don't like the philosophy or the value system that they think is portrayed through that music. But the reality is some kids are literally enraptured with that stuff. And I've got one um, young man who really, really is into that kind of music. And by having my mind open, he's actually introduced me to a few different artists. And I'm kind of hearing that music in a different way than I'm sure I would have done if I hadn't keep, kept my mind open. Not that I'm constantly listening to that kind of music, but I certainly am able to sort of appreciate and understand it in a different way. But because of that opening, what I've been able to do is get this young man into other music that he otherwise wouldn't have listened to and I've even been able to get him to correlate and, and see a relationship between the choices of some of his favourite artists and how they have probably been influenced by other bands that he'd never heard of that are actually from completely different genres and that's helped me to hook him into some of that and start to open his mind up and I really feel that this can build that connection with the instrument you see because as they as you kind of get them invested in their favourite music and, and exploring it and instead of judging what they're into you're giving them that doorway into finding their own voice on the instrument and exploring what they love. And then you can kind of redirect them towards other wider perspectives on music and eventually they can, you know, find their own way in this world and hopefully through your support make really positive 
decisions about the kind of artists that they want to follow and listen to rather than it just being knee-jerk reaction or resisting um, through rebellion any any authority you become an authority in that person's life or like an influence or support where they kind of look to you and go actually do you know what this this guy really listens to me um, and I want to listen to him you know and, and that can help them to yeah get that extra point of view so yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of of that kind of attitude in teaching, and I, I'm also a big fan of um, just realizing that at the end of the day, you can't control your students, but you certainly can influence and support them. So, um, and I realize that this is the same with ourselves. You know, I think if we want to influence ourselves to the instrument, as I was saying earlier, it's got to be about making sure that we we guide ourselves to the instrument and we get create that great feeling, that great relationship with the instrument, and then we can start layering in those challenges and. You know, pushing ourselves or we can layer in those challenges with our students and push them and, and guide them towards new possibilities anyway so i hope you uh, as a listener have got some great value out of this little chat i you know um committed to regularly putting these out so if you really enjoy these um conversations i'm having with you and you want to hear more make sure that you become a uh, subscriber to the to the podcast uh, keep a lookout because i'll be uploading them regularly and if you enjoyed this you know subscribe share with anyone you feel might benefit because i really appreciate that you know i need to um i'm I'm trying to get this podcast out to as many as possible help as many people as i can um i really feel a a massive pull towards helping people in the area of teaching and learning drums it's massive for me um you know as you as you can probably tell it's a massive passion so um go ahead to infinitydrumming.com if you're interested in signing up for the weekly newsletter that breaks down the key takeaways in a pdf for you And that'll save you time if you want to review or apply anything that you've heard here that you found valuable. Anyway, thanks again. This is Matt here. This is the secrets of learning and teaching drums. And I'll I'll catch you in the next episode when it happens, probably tomorrow. Much love, guys. Take care.